Good morning. Is Viana in here today? Ah, in the back. You are inheriting a wonderful children's ministries team. And um, thank you for your kindness. This week, Viana and I and children's ministries and family ministries leaders from all around our division from Nova Scotia to Bermuda to Hawaii to right here in California. Spent some time together, and in fact, they're still meeting down in Brea, um, discussing your church and your families and your children. And I am so happy to be here today to tell you that having been there, I am so much more hopeful and the future of our church. In a climate where people of power seem to be leading with an ever-tightening grip, I was encouraged to spend time with leaders that shared their faith stories and struggles with issues that impact all of our families. But most importantly, I was encouraged by their lives of graciousness, of inclusiveness, and a a style of leadership overflowing from a stance of being in awe of their Jesus. Yesterday, we had a chance to showcase the VBS product that we are launching this summer for the North American Division that was created right here in Southeastern. It's a program that several pastors in our conference have been working on. And those leaders, many of whom spend most of their time in boardrooms, in conferences, making decisions that impact all of us, they get to experience some things hands-on. And Viana and I had the chance to lead the games, and I just want to show you a video that I think you might enjoy. Those are our wonderful leaders. Bob Goff says that the more that we stand in awe of God, the less that we stand in judgment of others. The writer of Hebrews shares with us and encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This morning, I I want to spend a little bit of time in the scriptures, in the book of Deuteronomy, as we look at some helpful ways that Moses provides as guidance on how we might be able to live lives like that. I invite you to turn in your Bibles, or tap, or swipe your way to Deuteronomy chapter six. 
The book of Deuteronomy is divided into two major sections. The first section, the first three chapters, provides a little bit of historical context of life as it was then. And the second part, after it re-presents the Ten Commandments, elaborates on each one. And the commandment for this morning that we want to spend some time on is the first one. You shall have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 6, chapter 4, chapter 6, sorry, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the message says, love him with all that's in you. Love him with all you've got. And these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Get them inside of you. Get them inside of your children. Ingest them. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Loving the Lord and leaning on his grace when we sit and walk and lie down and get up. When we dream and when we plan, when our life plans are shattered, when our aspirations give way to reality. Through every small and grand moment of life, lean on his grace. As I study this passage, I see three principles that are helpful for my relationship with God, and I'd like to share them with you. The first principle is found in verses 4 and 5, and it's the idea that relationships come before rules. The second, verse 6, that relationship with God must be in you before you can pass it along to others. The last principle, verses 7 through 9, Each day offers opportunities for teaching and sharing God's love. Instruction from one generation to the next is not best taught in lessons, but in a continual way of life. We're to experience them and talk about them and exhibit them and write them down, but most importantly, to model them. This passage in its original context wasn't given to a monotheistic world. And as we kind of study this passage, we we see the shift that happens between man's relationship with God. The first step, the place that he meets us is that we're supposed to know that the holiness of God calls forth reverence from his people. A strict obedience in order to appease God or the gods. The second step, this further progress, we've learned that obedience is better than sacrifice. We think of Abraham and Isaac and the altar. 
But I think that the ultimate reach of this relationship that humans can have with God is the discernment that God longs for human love in response to his. James teaches us that faith without works is dead. And this concept embodies kind of three ideas. The one, the first being that there needs to be a firm conviction. The second, that there needs to be a personal surrender. And the third, that we respond out of conviction and surrender. We're not forced to obedience, but we respond to his grace. Over and over, the question has been asked by people of all generations, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus' answer was in keeping with the best Jewish thought of his day and even today. Love of God expressed through love of people. Loving God and loving people. Have you heard that before? Maybe once or twice? Jesus makes this the touchstone of his ethics. I'm so glad that Pastor Viana has joined our church and I'm excited to work closely with her as we minister together to our families and to our children. But during the last couple of months, I've been asked several times, so what are you going to do? Right. One of the things that I would love to focus on is to develop ministries and resources for our church so that in our neighborhood, we will become the central resource center for our families. That means providing things like workshops and classes and community fairs and, and also means that we build a solid network with community resources that we can partner with and refer to. In the next several months, hundreds of new homes are coming into our neighborhood. And we have an opportunity and I think a obligation to welcome those families and to be agents of God's kingdoms for good. But we can only do that well when we do it from the overflow of God's love in our lives. Family is not always a set of parents with kids doing what God intended. The Bible shows different models of this intergenerational discipleship that were powerful ways that his kingdom has progressed. It's not always a godly father or mother, as evidenced by Mordecai teaching his niece Esther, or Paul mentoring Titus, his adopted son, or Timothy's faithful mother and grandmother that seemed to carry the whole spiritual parental influence. And that's where our church family comes into play. Because regardless of your season of life, God can use you to teach someone in your family or in your sphere of influence by way of friendship and connection. Take a minute and look around you. 
No, really, take a minute and look around you. How well do you know your pew neighbors? Some of whom you sit next to and in front of and behind every week. Do you know their story? Would you take some time in the weeks ahead learning their story? There are a few callings that God can give us that are more important than being spiritual mentors, a spiritual uncle or an aunt, a grandparent, a church leader or a teacher. John Westerhoff shares that in the development of a faith community, he says, for a faith community to be healthy, for all of its members, there must be three generations. Because the development of community depends on shared stories, shared traditions, and memories that must be passed on from generation to generation. It's powerful words. Something that we strive week in and week out to do here. It's always a treat to see someone that truly enjoys what they do and they're good at it. I want to invite you to take a look at this video of someone that goes above and beyond in their job. My name's Randall, and I'm going to be that little voice in your head for the next two hours and 41 minutes. Up to Ottawa. I know 50 ways to lose your kids at the Magical Kingdom, but only six ways to lose yourself out of this aircraft. We have two window exits located mid-cabin over the wings, two emergency doors located in the forward, and two emergency doors located at the rear. Reminding you folks that should you not like our customer service, you can use one of these exits at any time. <laughs> Just kidding. This oxygen mask will drop from those panels located above your oh-so-natural hair color or possibly sunburned head. Securing it behind the head with the elastic strap, pulling the loose ends of the elastic strap tight, and you two can look as good as these ladies. Remain seated, breathe normally, do not remove your mask until instructed to do so by a member of your flight crew. And even though oxygen is flowing, that plastic bag may not inflate. Don't worry, mine will. <laughs> Just kidding. It's perfectly normal and you're still receiving a steady flow of oxygen. Folks, if you are traveling with a little Western or somewhere today, or wise, if you're traveling with a husband with a headset on his head that's not listening to me, oh, there he is. Please make sure that you help yourself out before you help out the others. My name's Randall. We've all heard that speech given. I'm usually the one that has the headset on. The Bible doesn't give us formulas or strategies for raising our children in community. Life is too complicated to be reduced to a strategy. But God in his word gives us wise principles and, and strong gospel-centered hope to guide us in the task of raising our sons and daughters. Putting on your cabin pressure mask before putting on your child's or dependents in those messy moments of life, the first heart that God wants to address isn't our kids, it's ours. I want to be part of a church family where we guide our children and let them know that we first honor God and that second we create the best environment to put the children in a divine path. 
Jesus said that our purpose as God's people is to love him with our whole life and to love others in every way that we can think of. Tony Campolo shares a story from his childhood that I wanted to share with you from his early years in elementary school. This is what he writes. Living as we did in a congested and bustling city, my mother arranged with a teenage girl who lived next door to me to walk me home from school at the end of each day. For this arduous responsibility, the girl was paid five cents a day for a grand total of a quarter per week. In second grade, I became irritated that our poor family was giving this neighbor girl so much money. And I offered a deal to my mom. I said, look, mom, I'll walk myself to school and I'll, if you'll give me a nickel a week. And I'll be extra careful. You can keep the other 20 cents and we'll all be better off. I pleaded and begged and eventually my mother gave in to my proposal. So for the next two years, I walked to and from school all by myself. It was an eight block walk with many streets to cross, but I crossed them all with great care. I didn't talk to any strangers. I always kept on my appointed path and I always did as I promised and I did it alone, or at least I thought. Years later, when we were enjoying a family party, I bragged about my characteristic independence. And in a grandiose fashion, I reminded my family of how I had been able to take care of myself, even as a little boy. It was then that my mother told me the whole story. Did you really think you were alone? She asked. Every morning when you left for school, I left with you. I walked behind you all the way. When you got out of school at 3.30 in the afternoon, I was always there, but I kept myself hidden, but I was there, and I followed you all the way home. I just wanted to be there for you, just in case you needed me. Isn't that a powerful depiction of our spiritual walk with our Heavenly Father? We are all children of God, and in different ways, we all share the responsibility of being a community of spiritual parents. That's why when we do child dedications in the context of church, it isn't just to see the cutest child dressed up. It's a commitment that both the parents and the church are making together. To say, we don't want to merely control the behavior of our children, but rather model an authentic relationship with God for them. There's a video that's been going around that some of you may have seen that I wanted to share with you this morning. Take a look, and then we'll talk about it. I'm glad to meet what you. What is this thing? Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Gugu. Hey, you're okay. There's something from Google. the alphabet. You have to say, hey, Google, or okay. Hey, Google. Okay, Google. What's the there weather? Yeah. What's what? the weather, ask? What the weather? You want to know what is the weather? Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. In Flagler Beach tomorrow, there will be showers with a high of 65 and a low of 56. 
quizzes. It's a mystery. What's it there? I'm scared. I'm scared. It's a mystery. Oh my gosh. No. I love it. Can you relate? Where I grew up, you only need three words to comment on that video. Bless her heart. I love this video because it depicts so well how I envision some of our own interactions with God. We interact with God sometimes unsure of what we're getting ourselves into. We're able to experience the mystery of God and when he does respond, we become a little timid. While at the same time, living in this tension of standing in awe and wanting to engage again to maybe understand a little better. And as she said, sometimes a little scared. If I was reminded of anything this past week as I spent time with our leaders around our division, it was how blessed we are in our own local church here and in our conference here in Southeastern. Because over and over again in conversations, with conference union directors, they shared with me how their conference and union only had one children's pastor or one family pastor. Just in the Inland Empire alone, we have eight. In some conferences, they, just wrap your mind around this, in some conferences, they do not have as many children as we do in our own single church. With that, as pastors we recognize comes responsibility to our wider sisterhood of churches to model well because the world is watching. So this morning, as you sit here. May it be known that Calamesa is a church that stands in awe of God as we seek his kingdom first, proclaiming that we are his church, inviting God to build his kingdom here in our midst because every generation depends on it. Amen. So go now in the grace and peace of our love and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And to borrow from the little ones up here earlier this morning, experience the love of God that is more than powerful and say, whoa, amen.